0: Hello, you are listening to Homilies from Newman University Church, founded by St. John Henry Newman, and the home of the Notre Dame Newman Center for Faith and Reason. I grew up in a small town in western Massachusetts. Massachusetts is the state that Boston is the capital of, so people say, oh, Boston. Like, no, not Boston. I grew up in a small town as far from Boston as you could get. I could ride my bicycle to the New York state line in 10 minutes from my house. We were anything but city. Though I was not from a farm family myself, many of my classmates were. We grew up in town. The very first school trip I took in first grade when I was six years old was to Jimmy Wolf's Dairy Farm. Jimmy was one of my classmates. The very last school trip I took was to another dairy farm as we studied in high school, uh, the local economy of our county. So though not very agrarian myself, I could hardly plant a seed. I grew up around the rituals and the images of farming between the little village I grew up in and the, the smaller one where my dad taught high school and was a principal, the whole road was lined with cornfields. And if there's something that an American kid loves, it is sweet corn in the summer. And growing up in more of a mountainous area, our farms were not the big agribusiness of the American Midwest. They were small family farms with people struggling to make it. But corn was a big summer crop. It planted late, grew fast. And then sometime in mid to late August, the, the corn was amazing. A lot of my fr- uh, friends don't understand my love for it, but in, if you've ever had sweet corn picked and put into a pot and heated within an hour or so of being, being harvested, It's a remarkable, remarkable sweetness. And silver queen and bread and butter are the two types that grew most uh, around us. And we would go to a little shack on the edge of the field and put money in the box and take our corn. And uh, I had friends from school who came home once and said, what are you doing? You're you're leaving money? I was like, yeah, that's what you do. Got to pay the farmer. But the idea of corn growing was fascinating because it grows fairly tall. The stalks will be seven feet, eight feet tall, and they grow in a rather quick period of time, and they have big long leaves, and then the ears form. And in fact, it grows so quickly that you can almost watch it grow. My dad always talked about driving to school through these cornfields and then coming back in the evening and swearing it was taller and it might have grown six inches in in six hours. On a very, very calm day, you'd think there was a breeze blowing because you could literally hear it growing if you stood on the edge of the field. The fecundity, the fruitfulness of the earth is something that often escapes those of us who actually spend most of our time in cities. I was joking last night at dinner, chicken for me came from a supermarket, but I knew people who raised them. I knew people who slaughtered their own animals for food. But there is something about the agrarian images, the farming images that we get out of scripture that is powerful. And I believe one of the most stunning passages of all of Scripture is the one we heard from the prophet Isaiah, or Isaiah, Isaiah, as I thought I heard it said, that God is speaking at the end of a long passage of Deutero-Isaiah about the effectiveness, the efficacy of his own word, and saying that just as the rain comes down, and moistens the earth and brings forth fruit. So his promises that my word cannot but go forth from me, do my will and come back successful. We first saw this in scripture, in Genesis, in the very first words of the book of Genesis, where over the chaos, over the void, the word of God uh, floated and brought forth the fullness of creation. And we know it in the person of Jesus Christ, the word who went forth and came into our world to bring God's healing and God's peace and to bring salvation for us all as he entered into the world as one like us, entered into the reality of human suffering and brought the fullness of humanity back to the Godhead and brought salvation for us and for all of creation. How do we participate in that? How we become active members of that salvation is the work of a lifetime. We know that in this parable, which is told and then explained in the reading that I just just presented, We can see ourselves, hopefully, as those people who sometimes do not produce the fruit of salvation in our lives, do not speak words of hope, do not present acts of kindness and justice. And sometimes, that, that word that is planted in us is carried away so quickly nothing happens, but more often I think we find ourselves in those second two presentations where that first hope bursts forth, that first sense of joy creates a burst of enthusiasm, and yet we, we tire quickly or we get distracted. But the promise of God Is that we will produce a hundredfold, sixtyfold, thirtyfold, not just individually, but collectively as church, for we are not just alone in this world. Collectively, we are the living body of Christ, that one who came into our world to bring healing and hope and salvation. But that work isn't done easily or quickly. In the 1970s, Henry Nouwen was a popular spiritual writer, at least in the United States and Canada. And he gave a talk to a group of pastoral care workers, hospital chaplains, nurses, doctors, about the difference between curing and caring, and how curing is what we're mostly about in our efficient world that requires solutions and the solving of problems. It's the fixation on making good that which is broken, making right that which has gone astray. And it even impacts those of us who are in the ministerial end. And in this beautiful talk, he called them to be more mindful of caring rather than curing. And caring comes from an Anglo-Saxon word, which probably has as much in common with the word compassion as anything, for it means entering into the suffering of another. It means walking alongside someone in pain, the commitment to be with someone as they live their life. As we reflect on the different stages and the different aspects of the new life which comes from the sowing of the word, we know that sometimes we are the ones who can bring from our lives the hundredfold, but other times we fall short, we get distracted. And the work of the church is to recognize that collectively we can be with one another and walk with one another and share with one another. And that in fact, uh, Nouwen says in this, this talk that the job of caring is sometimes to deepen the sadness and to deepen the pain that somebody's feeling, not to be masochistic, not to be heart, hard-hearted or hurtful, but to simply say, that often what we need to do is to embrace the fullness of our brokenness. And as he says, it's the process of scratching the dry earth. For we can't make it rain, but we can prepare the ground for that place, to rain, for rain to fall, and new life will come with that rain. If we recognize, as St. Paul tells us in the second reading, that all of creation is groaning for the salvation of God, that we as Christians participate not only in our own salvation and the salvation of one another, but we are prime movers in the salvation of all the world, of all of God's created glory. We have to recognize at times when our friends, and our colleagues and those we go to church with are crying out in pain and walk with them, sometimes not able to, to bring an ounce of solution, but simply to recognize that we share a common source of sadness, our own human melancholy. But we also must recognize that we have a responsibility to the created glory around us and that the earth cries out as the ice caps melt. The earth cries out as temperature rises. The earth cries out as the very things we do to produce food through chemicals and through um, agricultural uh, products to, to increase yield, pollute our rivers and pollute our waters. The earth, all of creation, cries out for a human hand to walk with it, to help it heal, so that it too can enter the fullness of glory as God anticipates for it. Also in Genesis, we read that we have been given dominion over the earth, but the fullness of Israelite kingship is not unbridled power. It is husbandry. It is caring. It is concern. It is that transformative element of love that makes all things better. In this complicated walk of being a Christian, we're called to make all things better by opening our own hearts to God's redeeming love, by embracing the word, by scratching our own souls so that we create a place where the roots of that word can, can tie in more deeply. And we are called to walk with one another, to bring healing and hope and peace and a taste of the fullness of God's salvation, a salvation he deeply desires for each and every one of us. We know the victory is won. Ours is to open our hearts, to embrace it more fully, They use our hands and our feet to help the world to see it, to know it, and to help to become more apparent in everything we say and do.